Welcome to Courage to Create, a podcast for those choosing to live and lead from heart, soul, and desire. I'm your host, Claudia Whitney, a certified hypnotherapist and life and business coach for women. And I'm obsessed with supporting you on your path to living a more abundant, expanded life of purpose. I believe we were born to go big, and each week you'll hear inspiring interviews from passionate souls that dare to create their bold stories. And it's my hope that after hearing stories of truth, courage, and desire, you'll feel called to rewrite a part of your story that may be holding you back from living a life of your wildest dreams. Hey friends, I just finished teaching my Feel It to Heal It workshop where we really explored our emotions through journaling, breathing, moving, and sharing, and it was so freaking beautiful. I'm actually still sweating from it. Yeah, we really moved some stuff today. I don't think we realize how much we stuff down and push aside for later, and later never comes, and we forget that it's still there, and then there are these moments where it comes out when you least expect it, because guess what? It doesn't go away. So today we got super curious about some of those emotions and what, what's coming up for us and we moved it through our body. This workshop was part of a series and my friends will actually be teaching the next few Sundays. So I'll drop the link in the show notes in case you want to catch it. And a few men, women reached out to see if I'd be doing more of these and if there's interest, I'll create it for sure. So let me know. Today... I have a pretty special interview for you with Gia Gunn. I met Gia a few months ago and she came to my Woman Unleashed retreat and we totally hit it off. In the interview, we shared some laughs and lots of tears as she shared her incredible life story. Gia is a proud Japanese-American trans woman and her life wasn't always so straightforward as she navigated first from being a gay male to cross-dressing, to doing drag, and eventually transitioning to a woman. I learned so much from Gia in this interview. And what she really drove home was this message of staying true to who you are. And it might not always win the majority of the crowd, but standing out strong and bright is what wins at the end of the day. Okay, one more thing before we get into the interview. I have one spot left in my upcoming transformational group program, Bold Soul. We begin on August 4th, that's just in a few days, and it's the program for you if you're ready to finally shed the old patterns that have been keeping you stuck and stagnant and you're ready to fully redesign the areas of your life that aren't aligned anymore. You're so done talking about it and ready to make progress on your vision and you desire to do the work with badass women that are going to back you 100%. This is for you if you're ready to let go of what's not you and step into who you're truly meant to be. It's about meeting your growth edges and expanding your capacity to receive and have more. This program is has gotten me so excited, y'all. Like I cannot wait to start. We have nine gorgeous souls and one spot left for you. If what I'm saying is like speaking to your soul, please reach out, shoot me a DM that says bold soul and shoot it to with.claudiawhitney on Instagram. And I'll reach out to you with more info. And I'll also pop the link in the show notes so you can just find more information there. Okay, babes, let's get on to the interview. Hi there. Today on Courage to Create, I have my fabulous friend Gia Gunn here for an interview. 
Gia is a proud Japanese-American trans woman and fan favorite from VH1's hit show RuPaul's Drag Race Season 6 and All Stars 4. I've known Gia only for a few months now. We camped and hung out together at a music festival. And you came to my Woman Unleashed retreat right after that. And I guess it was your first music festival and your first retreat. I was your first. (laughs) Gia, you're really someone that puts yourself out there for the world to see and experience. And you manage to stay true to yourself. There are so many people in your community that really look up to you. They love you. And I know your journey hasn't always been easy. I'd love for you to share with us, who is Gia? Like introduce yourself, of course. And I want to know, like, what has led you to be the woman that you are today? Okay, well, I just need to say before we dive into the interview, I feel so honored to be here because, as you know, I've been a very faithful listener to Courage to Create. So to be on this podcast is super surreal. And I just, girl, I feel like I just, I made it. (laughs) Um, I just needed to get that out to be clear to start. So thank you, Claudia, for having me on. I really look up to you and your platform and everything, you know, all the content you create is super, super helpful. So I'm really grateful to be a part of, you know, spreading that awareness and um, just love to all of our other friends and family out there. But hi, guys, my name's Gia Ichikawa, better known as Gia Gunn. I come from a small suburb of Chicago. And like I was raised in a Japanese American home. I'm fourth generation. So we're actually very American from the age of like five to 15. I was very involved in Nihon Buyo, which is Japanese classical dance, um, where traditionally, you know, men play women's roles. Um, It's not like a gender identity or sexual thing or anything like that. It's actually very cultural. So since I was young, you know, my parents supported my femininity and would allow me to, you know, express myself um, and kind of this urge to always be feminine, you know, even though I was biologically born as a boy. And, you know, until 25, I lived my life as technically a male. But yeah, the journey has, you know, been I feel like I could go the whole hour talking about this. So I don't know exactly, like, I'm just going to hit the bullet points. But like, I had a lot of family support. I had my fam, my, my, my dad, my mom, um, they were very, you know, supportive of, you know, first me coming out as, you know, homosexual um, when I was 15, you know, that's when I first like had my first encounter with a boy. And I then, you know, confirmed that I was, technically gay at the time and my parents were super supportive of me at 15 I stopped doing the Japanese dance though because um my parents also got divorced so I kind of like wanted to start rebelling and you know started smoking weed and hanging out with my friends and doing all the high school stuff um but where I grew up there I was probably one out of like five gay kids and there were like no transgender people no non-binaries like nothing else you know can I I ask you did you when you came out to your family did you come out to your friends as well like at school that's a good question I don't really remember coming out to them but I must have or it was just assumed because um I think my girlfriends knew 
But um, I don't iconically remember that being like an iconic moment. Like it was coming out to my parents for obvious reasons. You know, it's your parents. You're like, oh my God, what are they going to say? How are they going to react? But no, I, I just remember my friends also being super supportive. I was like the gay kid in high school that had all the hot girlfriends who dated all the gangbangers. So like I had like a lot of like support, but I was also a bully too. I bullied girls in high school. I got suspended like 12 times. I was a true rebel. And now looking back, I wonder if like I was angry at those women or those girls that they were able to live their truth and I wasn't. Or maybe there was something else there, you know? At the time, you know, I, yeah, I was just gay and this was my truth. And, um, you know, I was living my best life over there in the suburbs until I moved to the actual city of Chicago. Well, I graduated high school and then I went to cosmetology school. I went to cosmetology school too. I didn't know this about you. <laughs> are you beauty school dropout or did you actually graduate i did it was my profession for really mm-hmm. no wonder we feel so connected i know that's why we brought mirrors to the music festival <laughs> <for> camping <laughs> we both brought full-length mirrors i mean here uh, hello <laughs> girl we were like okay fuck the food forget like the like extension cords where are the mirrors <laughs> Actually, when my sister was like, I think Claudia is bringing a mirror. This was even before I met you. I was like, Claudia is my girl. I was like, perfect. Finally, someone who thinks like me. But um, yeah, you know, I just, you know, then I, I moved to the city, was going to cosmetology school, you know, and then I graduated from that. And then I slowly, uh, somewhere in there, I, you know, went to my first gay club. I saw my first drag show, which was actually being performed by a trans woman, because in Chicago, a lot of drag shows, at least back in the day, were predominantly done by trans women, which being this young and ignorant, I had no idea what the difference was between a drag queen and, you know, a trans person. And Um, if someone's listening and they don't know, you want to share? Yeah. So basically a drag queen can be anybody nowadays. Like even a biological woman could be a drag queen. It's literally just an art form, just like playing soccer as a sport, like doing drag as an art, anyone can do it. And it's basically a form of self-expression. You know, I think back in the day, the acronym for drag actually stood for dressing up as girls. So traditionally it was a male who dressed up in women's clothing to perform or to make money. Not to be confused with the cross-dresser, which is a very gray area. We don't really talk about these terms, even in the community, as much as we should. But, you know, cross-dresser is basically, it could be a straight man that dresses up in women's clothing, kind of more as a fetish or like to fulfill a sexual sensation. So there's cross-dressing, there's drag queens, and then there's women like me who decided, you know, in their journey that dressing up was not just who they were, that actually we are women, we embody a woman, and these are our thoughts and mental states of minds. And then, you know, you progress to transition and do hormone replacement therapy and all that stuff, which I'll get into um, in a little bit. But I just want to recap how I even got to getting to the point of doing my transition, which was basically through the art of drag, you know, so I saw these women, I was like, I know 
that these women were not born as women, but I just can't fucking understand why they're so beautiful. And like, why do I feel like that? Or like, why am I so attracted to this like goddess on stage, you know? Before that, did you have feelings of knowing that you could possibly be a woman? You know, I think I did, Claudia, at maybe a younger age. Um, But because in my household, my parents allowed the femininity to be expressed and it was very safe for me to play with Barbies, to, you know, have girls clothes and like play with hair. Like, I feel like in households where that's not allowed, there is more of an urge at an earlier age to want to transition because you're resisting and you're being told, no, you need to be masculine or, you know, femininity is not allowed here. Or like, you know, the dad smacks the Barbie out of the kid's hand. You know, these tragic stories we hear and and visions that sometimes are shared. So in my house, because I felt safe, I think I grew up like, well, why do I need to be a girl? Like, I can be a girl and a boy. Like, this is fine, you know? And I thank my parents for that because I'm just, I'm so thankful, you know, um, because that allowed me to really take my time and, you know, to wait until I was 25, which was actually my mother's request because, you know, when I first started talking about transitions, she's like, okay, like, I know this is something that you're really like, you know, thinking about, but like, maybe you should wait till you're 25. And I was like, well, why till 25? And she was like, well, that's technically when the human brain is fully developed, I guess. That was her thought process. And I said, okay. And miraculously, I didn't wait just because of her requesting that, but miraculously at 25 is when I kind of had the realization. So I saw these women and then, you know, I, I started, was doing hair during the day. And then, you know, slowly I got immersed into the drag culture because the trans community and the drag community kind of runs close together, right? Because they share this form of work. Shortly, you know, became friends with a lot of the drag performers. And then I was like, well, I think I could do this too, you know? Actually, no, my my friend from Chicago one night, she called me up. She's like, girl, don't you want to get up and drag and go to the straight club and like try to pull some trade? which by the way, trade is like basically a hetero man that's like into the dolls, you know, into the girls. And I was like, you know what? I was like, I think I do. So I went over, she did my makeup. I had really long natural black hair, kind of like yours actually, Claudia. And girl, I put on my little foam hips and butt pads and like- Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) And like, you know, you're trying to like simulate what we know- as a woman, I mean, now I think thinking is a little different. It's like, well, what's a woman? What's a man? But that can get a little bit confusing. But, you know, so, yeah, trying to simulate a woman. And I went out and I actually do think I got a guy that night. Like, looking back, I think I went home with a man and I was like, oh, my God, like, this is fabulous. Like, who doesn't want to live their life as a girl, you know? So I started dressing up technically So this is good for us listeners, because technically I did start off as just a cross-dresser. I wasn't performing in drag. I was not a straight male. I was a gay male, but I was just dressing up just 
to kind of fulfill this fantasy and probably more to get attention mm-hmm. that then graduated to, well, this isn't enough. I am an artistic person now kind of going back to my roots as doing the Nihon Buyo when I was very little, dressing up as a girl, performing on stage. And now I was like, well, I think I want to start doing drag shows. So shortly, you know, I got what we call a drag mother, which is someone who takes you under their wing and, you know, shows you all the ropes and took me to, um, I'll never forget, like to get my first costume made. I had no money. So I had to go to this beauty supply store. I had to steal all these like shears and products for this woman to make me my outfit because she was like sending her niece to beauty school in Mexico. She was like, okay, well, I need this, 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 and that. If you bring this to me, I'm going to make this outfit for you. I was like, done. So I remember going up in there, girl, I racked up everything. I got my first outfit made. And I presented myself and the community responded really well. And so before you knew it, I was like interning in the hair salon during the day. And then by night, like dressing up and going to perform at like all these like big clubs in Chicago. And when you were performing, like, did you have any kind of training in dance or were you just a good dancer? Or is that something that you learned with your drag mom? No, actually, the thing is, nobody really ever taught me anything. I can honestly say I'm pretty self-made. Like, I learned all the movements. I came up with routines. Like, I think naturally, I I am a dancer and a performer. So I really say, like, for performers and stuff, like, it sounds harsh, but, like, either you have it or you don't. Being a performer or being a queen on stage, like... I just don't think it's something that's learned. I think it's something that is in you Mm -hmm. and you can get better. But like, you know, when you watch a show, it's like, oh, she's really good. Like, and that's because she has it in her. And Mm -hmm. the ones that are just like, okay, it's because they don't. And like, I just had it in me, girl. So I I just had it in me. So (laughs) I was, I would grow. I was ready to unleash the woman in there. Yes, girl. (laughs) And so, yeah, you know, I started to perform. I loved, I loved it. I felt so happy. You know, it's like you're grabbing dollars. People are paying you. Like, it was cute. And then I, you know, my photographer was like, well, why don't you audition for RuPaul's Drag Race? And I was like, well, what the fuck is that? Like, ain't nobody trying to do all that. And he was like, well, it's really simple. We have to make you this audition tape. And I was like, okay, sounds like a lot of work. I was like, you set up the tape you produce the thing. I'm going to do it. He did. And unlike most, I got on my very first try, you know, that came out in 2014. So that was my first time on television becoming basically famous overnight at the age of 22. I literally quit my job at the hair salon. I was like, this is for the beat for this is for the birds. I was like, I'm going to Hollywood toots. So I like quit my job. You're still living in Chicago in 2000. At the time. Yeah. So I flew to Hollywood. They, cause they called me literally when I was at the salon and I remember sneaking into the bathroom and I was like, uh-huh. They're like, gal, you made it to Hollywood. And I was like, shut up. I was like, I'm quitting my job right now. I literally <laughs> ran outside of the bathroom. I told the boss that I already like, kind of was like, ugh. Hated him. I was like, baby, I was like, I'm going to Hollywood. I quit. I walked out. 
you literally have like two weeks to get like 14 runway custom looks done, like thousands and thousands of dollars. And you had to pay for this? You had to pay for everything. Yeah, this is your initial investment. Wow. So I don't know how I had money back then. I think maybe my family helped me. I think I maybe did a few strange things for cash. I don't <laughs> quite remember. But yeah, girl. like Selling blood. <laughs> it's a hustle. Yes. Selling whatever I could at the time. <laughs> um, you know, it was a hustle. And then I remember my dad taking me to the airport, shipped me off with like five huge boxes. And I did my thing. I had no idea what Hollywood was because I was raised in a small suburb outside of Chicago. I didn't grow up knowing anything but Japanese classical dance and my friends. You know, I was like, what am I doing? Like, but that's why I made such good TV because I was real. Mm -hmm. I didn't know what cameras were. I didn't know what stage plotting or like any like preconceived notions. You know, I was just being me. And so... The show came out. It was life-changing. And, you know, I instantly gained a career. I was making six figures at 22. I was traveling the world. I had every drug offered to me on the planet. I was being, you know, tended to like a queen. And it was amazing until it wasn't amazing anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, because for me, I was like, is this real? Like, is this? like dressing up as this character. You have to remember at the time, Gia Gunn was, it was a character. You know, my name was something else technically to my family and my family referred to me as he pronouns, you know? So you are living like a dual life and like only coming alive at night, only feeling like special during those couple hours of you being dressed up. And then like you go back to your like, normal clothes and reality and it's like so during the day were you dressing up like a boy and being a boy at that point and and when you were working at the salon or were you dressing totally yes totally yeah like full on I had like a fade line in like I always had long hair but yeah I had like a fade I was like I had braids I thought I was hood I thought I was like a rapper I was like very yeah like you guys should look it up. Like, it's kind of crazy, the transformation. But that's who I felt I was, or at least that's who I was. You should know the term. It's it, it's learn, right? These are things that we learn. This is how boys dress. This is how girls dress. That wasn't necessarily who I was or who I thought I was. Looking back, it's just what I learned to be was right. Towards the end, though, I started to go more androgynous. So I started wearing all black. I would have black fingernails because I was like, pink is too feminine and nothing is too not feminine. So I did black, kind of like yours. (laughs) And I felt comfortable that way. You know, my, my hair was really long. People in TSA would start to call me she, even when I didn't have makeup on. And that felt really comforting and really great. But then some days it didn't. Mm -hmm. So this confusion starts started to happen for me in my journey. Like, is being Gia like a real thing? Does this really make you happy? Why do you feel so alive when you're this person, but then when you revert to your other life, like you all of a sudden don't feel that anymore. So those thoughts of being trans or wanting to transition then really boiled up for me. And it's interesting because 
you're also being trans in, you know, on this show, in this world where, like you said, you were a queen, it was glamorous. And I just wonder if there was also thoughts around like, is it the glamour or is it really, you know, being at home as a woman just in my normal everyday life? You know what I'm saying? Yes. I wasn't trans on the show the first time I was just dragged. Okay. I think it's important for people to know these terms because a lot of people do confuse drag and trans people. And we all kind of get bottled into one in terms of the outside in perspective, because unfortunately, a lot of trans women are still looked at like men who basically are just more realistic than a drag queen, which I'm here to say it's very different. Like we go through tremendous amounts of legal changes hormonal changes, surgery, like drag queens aren't doing all that. They are happy being men. They're happy with their legal names and their legal gender markers. Like they're happy with that. Some of them might have surgery to appear more feminine, like nose jobs or hips or ass, but like they still revert to being men where trans women, they don't revert to being anything. They are just living their lives as women or trans women. Thanks for clarifying. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, this is all part of it, right? And this is also why I was like, this is perfect for me to come on this podcast because I assume like your audience doesn't really even get to hear these stories or terminologies. And I know they're around, you know? I mean, in the generations under us, you know, like your son Bodhi probably has some sort of transition, non-binary friends at school or will one day, you know, oh, yeah. so I, you know, it's really, it's a good time for us, you know, yeah. because the topics are being brought up. Like I didn't have any of this when I was yeah. young. And so it's like, you're scared of the unknown, you know, right. and like even for myself, like I just didn't know, you know, I was so scared. I'm like, so what does this mean? Okay. So like, I'm going to have to like sex work, like all of my other trans friends to be able to afford your hormones, your surgeries. Like I'm going to have to like get illegal, like black market silicone in my ass to like, quote unquote, look like a woman. Like, because these are the harsh realities of being a trans person. You know, we're only 0.1% of the human race. And I would say 80 to 90% of trans women have to resort in sex work or prostitution or drag shows. I mean, it's just kind of the way that it goes, unfortunately. I can say that I am a privileged trans woman. I've been blessed, but not a lot of journeys look like mine. Not a lot of people like, A, either have the desire to also look like me, but also maybe don't have the resources to fully be who they want to be. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. I think it's really important for us to remember just the terms and the ideas of these things, because the the reality is we pass by trans people every day. We probably greet your local grocer. It might be trans, but it's like none of our business to know. Yeah. And like, maybe they're not open and out to you, you know? So like, I think just being conscious of that this exists is really healthy. Yeah. And I think, you know, like with, you know, you brought up Bodhi and it's just like talking about it to our kids at at a young age, but also you're also like here educating us. And it is about 
being educated. And I think sometimes we are afraid to ask the questions to, yeah. to, to seem like we don't know um, that we don't know and or we don't want to say something wrong. So I think this is an important conversation. And I thank you so much for it and for being so open and, and just, just generous here. I want to like acknowledge your parents for supporting you. Like that, that's just incredible and amazing that you had that support because so many people do not I just wouldn't be here without them. You know, I really am thankful. Like I'm getting emotional because like my mother passed away and you know that. And it's so hard, especially for a girl like me, like the mother daughter relationship is so special. And I just wish she was here to be able to see me like live out my truth, my dream. But she taught me so much. And, you know, like I said, at 25, you know, I had the courage to create my reality, you know, like something just went on at, you know, the light went on for me at 25. Like I spent a full year after doing all the performances and everything, like it just really crashed down on me. I really struggled with like, is this who you are? And if it is like, you have a lot of work to do. And I battled for a whole year, you know, I was in bed, like not even the shows would get, I loved to perform, but not even the shows would get me out of bed. I was, you know, smoking weed. I was eating terrible food. And I honestly just thought about like dying every day. Like I was not physically suicidal, but mentally like, it was a hard time for me. And I just remember my parents being like so worried about me. And it's just such an unexplainable feeling when you feel like something's wrong, but like you just can't figure it out, you know? And and the fucking truth of the matter was that I am trans and that I needed to take the next step to be who... I needed to be and who I am in order to move on in life, you know? And so something went off at 25. I remember waking up one day and just being like, okay, this is it. Like, this is who you are. Stop playing yourself. Stop running from who you are. And I got up, I went to the clinic in Chicago. It's called the Howard Brown Center. They helped typically trans people with their transition. And I walked in and I said, hi, I'm Gia and I'd like to start my transition. And they were like, oh my God, yes. Like, how can we help you? And I was like, well, I want to start my journey on what we call um, HRT, which is better known as hormone replacement therapy, where basically you block your testosterone, which is, you know, our natural hormone and you ingest or uh either take pills or uh inject there's there's different ways of doing it but basically you know you're injecting the estrogen into your system and the idea of this is to pretty much get your hormone levels to where a cisgender woman is and cisgender is another term for biological and why is this done and it's not done for all trans women but hormones is a big part of transitioning because I'm a firm believer in like, it's, you know, being a woman isn't just how you look and what clothes you put on, but it's also a mental state, a feeling inside. 
so I started my hormones and Claudia, I kid you not, I just remember that day being like the last day of the rest of my life. Like all of a sudden, I don't know, all like life was just better. And I was excited about life again. And I like met a man like shortly after that who like loved me for like being a girl and like not this person who just dressed up. Like, can you imagine dating as like, I don't know, it's really hard for drag queens and like queer people who aren't fully like expressive as males. Cause in the gay community, like gay men like men, I mean, majority. So I wasn't a man and I wasn't a woman. I was like something in the middle and that was very hard to find love. And it's still very hard to find love as current day and as a trans person. But what I know I do have is like so much love around me and just like so much love for myself that I think the takeaway is you may really struggle to live your authentic life. But at the end of the day, like you need to make yourself happy and you can't be waiting for the approval of others, nor scared of what people are going to think of you. Like, I don't know. I At an early age, I was just okay with being the freak in the room, you know? And I know that sounds harsh, but now instead of looking at like the freak in the room, I look at it like being the goddess or the star or the one that stands out. Like, I'm not trying to be like, you other women. I'm not trying to be like anybody else except Gia. And that's taken a long time for me to get clear on and like really embody that, you know? It's such a beautiful message. And I just appreciate you so much for sharing so vulnerably and sharing your heart. I know it's been so difficult and, and I see the star when you walk in the room, you know, I see the the goddess, you do embrace, embrace it and embody it so fully. That's, you know, why I wanted to have you on and why I just <laughs> want to be your, your friend. Like you said, it's taken a long time for you to get to this point. And you talked about that year in bed and eating the crappy food and, you know, knowing something was off and not being able to pinpoint it until you did. Was there like a person or um, therapy or, you know, was there something helping you at that time? Like, I'm just kind of curious about like any tools or was it just like waking up and having like that wake up call? Yeah, I just want to explore that a little bit. To be honest, there's a YouTuber by the name of Gigi Gorgeous. She's a beautiful blonde. She was one of the first like, YouTubers to be open about her transition. Mm. And I remember watching her and just being like, okay, like trans doesn't have to just look one way, you know, because growing up, I grew up in Chicago. Not that there's anything wrong with Chicago, but you know, it's, what can I say? It's just, I mean, it's a city. And, you know, a lot of my friends, they were not of privilege, you know, most of them were black and brown. And they came from humble, you know, backgrounds. And so a lot of these women were, like I said, you know, they were sex workers and doing drugs and, um, you know, all this stuff. And so I really had to seek for a different 
form of inspiration because not that there's anything wrong with sex working, not that there's anything wrong with doing drugs. I just know for me, that's not what I wanted. And somehow it was almost installed in my brain that that's what trans meant until I saw Gigi Gorgeous and these videos she was making about her life. And I was like, okay, like, you know, that seems about right. Granted, she's blonde haired, blue eyes. She looked like a Barbie. Yes, she comes from money and privilege. But I just saw that there was, I, I don't know, somehow I saw hope. I saw a different version. And so that was really helpful for me. I didn't go to therapy, um, surprisingly enough, uh, because a lot of places, I think now actually legally, they might require that in order to get on hormones. But this was kind of back in the day. I don't think that was required. I would say just a lot of self-work. I mean, I wasn't doing as much work as I am now on myself, but somehow it just came to fruition. Yeah. I mean, it sounds like timing, you know, it sounds like it was also just the right time. I mean, for you to go and walk in and say, I'm ready. Here I am. I'm ready. And then to immediately be feeling so at home with yourself and so good and feel like you're really starting to live your truth. I mean, it's obvious that it was the right step at the right time. And I think, you know, this goes for anyone and anything that you're doing. Sometimes it doesn't make sense, you know, and looking backwards, I feel like I'm always talking about the connecting the dots backwards, but it is always interesting to look back and then it makes more sense, you know, like, oh, of course I couldn't have done it any earlier because it wasn't the right, the right moment. And it, I feel like because you were so accepted and the people around you loved you no matter what, you know, you were really able to tap in what was true for you. You know, that's the work. It's like, you have to like really believe in yourself. Like, why does this stuff make me so emotional? I just don't understand. I'm emotional. It's a, it's a, <laughs> I'm like over here crying too, girl. I don't know why, but it's like, and I told myself, I was like, okay, girl, you're, you're not going to go there on the podcast. Like, you're going to just think very like positive. Th- no. And honestly, these are positive tears. I yeah. think I cry because I'm, well, A, I miss my mother. And I don't know when I talk about this stuff. There's just like so much like influence of hers. I think it's more like I'm just like so fucking proud of myself for like getting here today and like looking back at all the years of like they weren't necessarily dark, but they weren't necessarily authentic. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like now showing up to, you know, family Christmas, like fully embodied and like where like fully being called Gia and like just this is not like a fake thing you know this is like my reality and like I just think a lot of like cisgender biological heterosexual people like they really don't take like gender into consideration like it's not a big thing for a lot of people who aren't within the community like you don't really think I can't speak for you, Claudia, but I don't assume that you wake up and think about like being a woman today. It's like, that's just who you are. That's who you've always been. People know that when you walk in the room, when you go outside, there's no questions like, you know, but for me, like there are those things like 
okay, I don't know. It's stupid stuff, right? Because like, well, how does a woman's hair look? How does a woman walk? How does a woman talk? But like, unfortunately, we have kind of formed these gender norms that people are so accustomed to. So like, okay, am I like looking presentable enough? Okay, like I'm going to talk to this hot guy. Like, do I sound like a man? Like, okay, I need to heighten my voice. Like, there's just a lot of things that like I have to think about in terms of walking into the room as a woman. A lot of people just don't take into consideration. And then we're so like, quick to beat other women down trans or not like oh she doesn't look prettier oh she looks like a man or oh like she's not whatever you know and it's like I don't know I just have so much more love for women now and I think coming to your like retreat you know my sister recommended the retreat to to me and I was like very scared remember I was very scared of like being around this money, like other like biological women, I knew I would be the only trans woman. Like, I didn't know how people were going to react to me. What if somebody misgenders me? What if, what if, what if? And like, we create all these excuses for ourselves until you take the courage to like actually do it. And then like, I came out on the other side, you know, and like, I and everybody think. loved you. <laughs> everybody loved it. And like, I loved like, them. It was like, I, so such a, for me, like seeing that and you, yeah, it was really, you really added to that retreat in a good way. And just watching all the women, you know, all of you women falling in love with each other and supporting each other. And it was just the most beautiful thing to see. And I knew your resistance and hesitance. It took a long time for you to sign up. I'm like, yeah. Yeah. Are you going to pay for this or what? You're like, yeah, worried. And I get it. And I knew deep down, I knew that the women that were there, the women that I call in, you know, are, you know, loving and accepting. And there is that question mark, right? You you don't know. Thankfully, it all, it all worked out. But you're right. Like, I'm listening to you going like, you know, I don't have to think about anything like that, you know? And like, how do you deal with situations where, I mean, do does that even happen anymore? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I get messages on the daily on Instagram that are like, you'll never leave this earth as a woman. You're a man, like kill yourself or just like really terrible things. That kind of comes along with the fame aspect too. So I've kind of been used to like the trolls and stuff like that. But every once in a while, you know, it really does hit you. I think when it comes to dating, it's, it strikes more closer to the heart, right? Because dating and being sexual with someone is like so intimate. And so like, there's a lot of acceptance there, right? Like being like physically accepted, like, okay, he thinks I look good. And then like being like mentally on the same page, like, okay, he thinks I'm smart, intelligent. So there's all these things. And then like once in a while, there will be a guy that'd be like, oh bro, I'm sorry, I'm into women, you know? Or be like- Oh, I'm I'm sorry. I thought you were like a real woman. And those are the terms that are very hurtful for the trans community, which actually even some of my friends sometimes subconsciously, you know, they'll say like, well, it's your time to like, you know, teach all women, like even real women. Like my friend just even said it last night at dinner. And it's like, but then he corrected himself. He's like, okay, no, I didn't mean real women, but you know what I mean. And I'm like, I do because I'm the, a woman of all experiences and no one's perfect. Even sometimes I'll slip up 
Yeah, it's it is hard sometimes not to take things so personally. But yeah. one thing I've learned in life in general is like we just can't take things so personally. Not everybody is out to get you. Not everybody is staring at me because they're looking for a male attribute. Maybe they actually think I'm pretty. Maybe they like my hair. Mm -hmm. Maybe they like the way I'm dressed. And so I just try to think, well, okay, that's why they're staring. Or like, that's, you know, I where before my mind used to go more negative. I mean, it is all about the mind. Yeah, I'm just learning so much from you and learning so much from you sharing about your life. And it kind of just makes me love you so much. Yeah, I'm happy to share. Yeah. I really think sharing our stories and our truth. There was this poem. I almost want to go and grab it off of the refrigerator, but I have it. Can if you want to. <laughs> Should I? Yeah. Okay. I obviously have this because this was one of the last things that my mom actually like sent to me and wrote me like this cute little letter. I don't know how I'm going to read this without crying. So I'm just going to warn you guys. But I think it's, I have it up there on my fridge for a reason. And I think having things on your fridge is so tacky and gross. But this is the one thing that I have up there. So it's a little poem. It was one of my mom's favorite. And I swear it's just like the truth. It's called Manifesto of the Brave and Brokenhearted. There is no greater threat to the critics and cynics and fear mongers than those of us who are willing to fall because we have learned how to rise. With skinned knees and bruised hearts, we choose owning our stories of struggle over hiding, over hustling, over pretending. When we deny our stories, they define us. When we run from struggle, we are never free. So we turn toward truth and look it in the eye. We will not be characters in our stories, not villains, not victims, not even heroes. We are the authors of our lives. We write our own daring endings. We craft from we craft love from heartbreak, compassion from shame, grace from disappointment, courage from failure. Showing up is our power. Story is our way home. Truth is our song. We are the brave and brokenhearted. We are rising strong. Isn't that so sweet? I love that. Truth and, is our song. And I think I have that on my fridge because it's true. Like, you have to live your truth. You know what I'm saying? Like, I literally watched my mom, like, end her life, like, but still being so true to who she was. Still doing her, like, homeopathic remedies and, like, just, like, doing all these things, like brushing her teeth every night. And I'm like, just thinking to myself, like, would I be doing all this? Like, if I knew that, like, I was going to die, like, but she had dignity and she, that was her truth. Like, this is who she was. And like, I think that taught me a lot about, do you want to grow old as like an old man and like someone who you're not, or do you want to grow old and like, live your truth and maybe there's going to be some struggles. I hope I find love, but I'm also like, you know what? If I don't, that's fine. Like I love myself and like, I have love around me and like now I'm working on being love, you know, like, cause mm -hmm. you have to be love in order to also be loved. That's such a beautiful message. You know, I know it's important 
for you. We've talked about it a little bit about how you want to be someone that's in your community supporting and, and educating. And um, if someone's listening and they're, they're in bed for a year or for a day and they can't get out and, and need some words of wisdom. Um, what would you say to that person? I think it's truly about taking it one day at a time, not thinking of your life as like 50 years, 40 years, 30 years, 20 years, like not even 10 years. Like my therapist tells me to actually look at your life at like eight weeks at a time. So that's like two months. And that's something that's really helped. I think right now I look at my life probably 24 hours at a time. Um, And I don't know if that's helped me or not, but it must because I do feel at peace. I do feel relaxed and happy. So I guess waking up at 11 or 12 um, in the afternoon will make you feel relaxed. (laughs) Um, But I think it's truly taking it one day at a time and just not overthinking things. And I think more doing and less talking. We spend a lot of time like talking and planning with very little execution, much like LA, tons of ideas, very little execution, myself included. So I think it's really about even just trying to do one thing, like tackle one thing, like even if it's one project or one task, even in the whole year, I mean, it doesn't even have to be a lot. But if you could like look back, you know, on like New Year's Eve and be like, damn, bitch, like I did that. You know what I'm saying? Or like I created this or like I brought these people together or like I healed this relationship. Like I think we really need to pay attention to the small things instead of looking for like quantity and like big things that like may never actually happen. You know, it's like, stop begging for fortune. Stop wishing you were rich. Stop like wishing you were prettier. Like you have as much money as you need. You are as beautiful as you need to be. And you're actually where you need to be. Like, and I think, that's some good fucking advice. (laughs) (laughs) Snap, snap, snap. You are speaking my language and I feel the same. I feel the same. I tell my clients sometimes it's like, you want to learn to draw, start with a minute. You know, you want to go to the gym, drive there. Don't even get out. Just drive there for a week. You know, it's like sometimes we, and I do this too, you know, we look at the whole year, the whole lifetime and think about like, well, how am I going to do all these things? And it really is creating new patterns and new habits with the one thing, whether it's just like committing to having a glass of water every day and then adding, adding to that. So I just really love everything that you're saying. Your everything you said today was really powerful for me. And I know that anybody's that's listening, they're going to get so much out of this education and just like the inspiration and motivation even. And I just truly am grateful to you for being here and, and sharing so openly I appreciate you. I want to know, like, if anybody's listening, they want more Gia, where do you want people to find you? Do you have anything like event or or projects or anything that you're doing that you want to talk about? I'd love for you to share. 
Yeah. So I am social media based, (laughs) primarily Instagram and TikTok as of now. So you can find me on Instagram at Gia underscore gun. And that's G-I-A underscore G-U-N-N. And then on TikTok at Gia underscore gun three. Don't ask me who has Gia gun on TikTok, but I'm not about to go and pay them thousands of dollars that they want. (laughs) Um, So Gia underscore gun three. And you know what, Claudia, I do these interviews often and this part, like I actually, I almost despise the part where it's like, well, what projects do you have coming up? What new? Because I actually really don't, you know, I used to feel really embarrassed about that, but I had to come to realize that I don't have anything necessarily coming because I've been working on my mental health and I'm working on myself. In order to have great things come, such as like my podcast or starting to do these, you know, groups, like I mentioned at the retreat, you know, your retreat really inspired me to create spaces for trans women to come to heal and to create sisterhood. Um, We need it. We deserve it. And it's going to take someone like me with a platform to be able to cultivate and create those spaces. So I don't have anything on the calendar yet, but if you follow me on social media, you can see my lovely, lovely life, but also stay up to par with, yes, these future projects and events that I do have in store. I'm just like taking time to work on myself because I'm sure as you know, it's like, if you can't help yourself, how are you going to help anyone else? Yeah, exactly. And I love that you you said that. I've been thinking about that a lot, just like seasons, you know, of of life. And sometimes we're in a season of creating and making things happen. And, and I know you travel a lot and things like that. And sometimes we're in seasons of the pause of like, I think of it like pregnancy, you know, it's like you wouldn't take the baby out at three months or four months because it's not fully formed. You know, sometimes our ideas, they are, you know, in the incubator. So it's like you're in the incubation phase. And then when it's ready, when these things are ready to be birthed to the world, they will be. So yeah, thanks for saying that. I definitely have it in me, gal. You know, I have a lot in there that I need to release and that I need to like express. And I think, you know, that's why I look up to women like you so much because like, you know, you're not just taking it all home for yourself, like, which is something that I only used to be focused on, like, I only used to be worried about how I could benefit, but like women like you are, yes, taking something home for you, but also like giving something to so many people. And I really do think that's what life is about. It's just really hard sometimes to be able to like make a living at doing what you love, you know, and, and like your passion. And I think that's where I'm at right now is like, trying to maintain the same level of income and standard way of life. But like now trying to figure out like what that next step is, you know, cause like I I'm just like done with the shows, you know, it's like yeah. I performed my whole life. It's like, I'm done performing. Let's get to the real, to the raw and to the like nitty gritty. And that just takes a lot more work. Yeah. You know, it's really easy to put a costume on and go out there and like, you know, act like everything's fine and perform but it really takes a special someone to bring people together to be real to be raw and like just to create that kind of space so I'm hoping that I can continue on this path you know 
Maybe Bold Soul will help me. <laughs> you know, that's exactly what I'm thinking. And you were like saying, I work in eight months, or I, I think four to eight, eight weeks. I'm like, well, sold is, is, is two months. Um, yeah, we can talk about that. And yeah, again, thank you. And I'm excited. I, you know, I'm your biggest cheerleader. I'm like, so here for when those things come out and here to support you. And, and I know it's happening. And, and I know the world is waiting. So watch out world Gina Gunn is coming with her project with her project babies that she's uh about to birth <laughs> yes I don't know why this is coming to me well I do know why and that's just because because your audience I think doesn't have a lot of like exposure to like trans community or even maybe LGBT like stuff in general I don't know I can't assume but one thing I just want to leave that's really important for me is just knowing the difference between someone's gender identity and their sexual orientation. I think often in today's day, we get those two very mixed up or like people think they're one and the same, but it is very different. And I think people need to understand like, just like because someone's identity, right, is like for how can I say this very simply, like a trans person doesn't mean that they're gay. Like just because maybe your kid wants to transition, that doesn't make them homosexual. And if they are homosexual, that doesn't mean that they want to be transgender. And I think a lot of people get those things mixed up and it's actually causing a lot of fear and a lot of hate for a lot of families even because I think a lot of parents are fearful of their children being gay I don't know why but maybe it's the way they were conditioned and so just knowing how to support your kid and like knowing how to support the people around you in these communities I just think it's really helpful to be able to separate each of these things and girl if you don't know, Google it, you know, There's so <laughs> yeah. much stuff on Google. I was about to say, or ask, you know, like I yeah. would never hesitate to ask you anything, you know, uh, and, and I think that that's what I, you know, what I was kind of referring to earlier. Yeah. Ask, ask the questions. Cause I'm sure you'd be rather have somebody ask than pretend to know. Right. Yeah. Send me a DM. I don't promise to respond to all the messages, but <laughs> I do look at them. And if I see a good one, I do respond, you know, because I do believe that is my duty. And like, if you're wondering, yeah, like on your free time, you know, like just go and like look on Google or like go and get a book from yeah. like Barnes and Noble. I think that's what my dad did. You know, when I came out as trans, like he went and bought a bunch of books and like took it upon himself to educate himself because I think that's really, that's where, that's where it starts, you know, the education from within. Yeah, 100%. Thank you, Gia. Thank you so much. Thanks, Claudia. Thank you so much for being here today. If you feel like you're looking for extra support, don't hesitate to reach out to me. This is what I do. I help women get unstuck and move into the next chapter of their life with so much courage, so much confidence and clarity. You can head to my website, claudiawhitney.com or jump into my DMs on Instagram at with.claudiawhitney. All right, here's to taking those small steps and making huge shifts happen in your life. Be well and much love.